0: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the third quarter 2020 earnings conference call for Canadian Utilities Limited. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Miles Dugan, Director, Investor Relations and External Disclosure. Please go ahead, Mr. Dugan.
1: Thank you, Sachi, and good morning, everyone. We're pleased you could join us for our third quarter 2020 conference call. With me today is Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer Dennis DeChamplain. Dennis will begin today with some opening comments on recent company developments and our financial results. Following his prepared remarks, we will take questions from the investment community. Please note that a replay of the conference call and a transcript will be available on our website at CanadianUtilities.com and can be found in the Investors section under the heading Events and Presentations. I'd like to remind you all that our remarks today will include forward-looking statements that are subject to important risks and uncertainties. For more information on these risks and uncertainties, Please see the reports filed by Canadian Utilities with Canadian Securities Regulators. And finally, I'd also like to point out that during this presentation, we may refer to certain non-GAAP measures, such as adjusted earnings, adjusted earnings per share, funds generated by operations, and capital investment. These measures do not have any standardized meaning under IFRS, and as a result, they may not be comparable to similar measures presented in other entities. And now I'll turn the call over to Dennis for his opening remarks.
2: Thanks, Miles, and good morning, everyone. I hope you and your families are well and staying safe. Canadian utilities achieved adjusted earnings of $76 million in the third quarter of 2020 compared to $106 million in the third quarter of 2019. Lower earnings this quarter were mainly due to the sale of the Canadian electricity generation business in the third quarter of 2019, and the sale of Alberta Powerline in the fourth quarter of 2019. These businesses contributed $37 million in adjusted earnings in the third quarter of 2019. Excluding the foregone earnings from the businesses that were sold, Canadian Utilities earnings in the third quarter of 2020 were $7 million higher compared to the third quarter last year. Higher earnings are mainly due to storage and industrial water earnings, higher earnings in electricity generation from cost efficiencies, as well as higher earnings from our Alberta retail energy business. The COVID-19 pandemic oil price decline and slowing global economic activity did not have a significant impact on Canadian utilities operations and financial performance in the first nine months of 2020. While we are experiencing a softening in our capital investment, overall our businesses continue to generate strong earnings and cash flows. On September 30th, we entered into an agreement to acquire the 130 kilometer Pioneer Pipeline for a purchase price of $255 million. This agreement replaces the previously announced purchase and sale agreement, whereby Nova Gas Transmission Limited, or NGTL, was to have purchased the pipeline under substantially similar terms. Canadian Utilities and NGTL agreed that we will transfer to NGTL a 30-kilometer segment that is located within their service territory. We will retain ownership and continue to operate the 100-kilometer portion of the Pioneer Pipeline that is in our service territory. Transaction is subject to regulatory approvals by the AUC and the Alberta Energy Regulator, which are expected by the second quarter of 2021. If approved by the regulators, this pioneer transaction would add a net $200 million to natural gas transmission's current rate base of about $2 billion. Continuing with regulatory developments, on October 13th, we received an AUC decision on the 2021 generic cost of capital proceeding. The commission approved the extension of the current return on equity of 8.5% and an equity thickness ratio of 37%, both on a final basis for 2021. Our total capital investments in the first nine months of 2020 was $659 million $193 million lower than the same period in 2019. Lower capital spending was mainly due to the completion of construction on Alberta Powerline in 2019, as well as delayed capital investment in the utilities. As a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the oil price collapse, we do not expect to invest the previously disclosed $1.2 billion in capital in 2020. Our current estimate for the full year is approximately $900 million in regulated and long-term contracted capital investment in 2020. We continue to review our three-year capital investment plan to account for changing customer needs and changes to capital projects that are directly assigned to us from the Alberta Electric System Operator. Finally, I'm pleased to inform you that in August, Dominion Bond Rating Service affirmed its A Long-Term Corporate Credit Rating and Stable Outlook on Canadian Utilities, and its A Low Rating on ATCO, our parent company. In September, S&P affirmed its A- minus credit rating on Canadian Utilities and ATCO. S&P's outlook for both companies was revised from stable to negative. S&P also affirmed CU Inc's A minus credit rating and maintained a stable outlook, reflecting S&P's decision to insulate the CU Inc credit rating from the ATCO group credit rating. CU Inc has been our main debt issuer in recent years, so we think this decision by S&P to change from a single group rating approach to a separate rating approach for AUC, or sorry, for CU Inc is entirely appropriate and has been welcomed by our CU Inc. bond investors. That concludes my prepared remarks and I'll turn the call back over to Miles.
1: Thank you, Dennis. And we'll turn the call over now to the conference coordinator for questions.
0: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. In the interest of time, we ask you limit yourself to two questions. If you have additional questions, you are welcome to rejoin the queue. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one, on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question from the queue, please press star, then two. Webcast participants are welcome to click on the Submit Question tab near the top of the webcast frame and type their question. The Canadian Utilities Investor Relations team will follow up with you by email after the call. Once again, anyone on the conference call who wishes to ask a question may press star one at this time. The first question is from Maurice Choi of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
3: Thank you and good morning, everyone. Um, My first question is just picking up on the CapEx plan. Um, Then as you mentioned, there's a softening in spend um, and that has led to 900 million spend this year down from 1.2. Um, as, can you share if you've had any recent discussions uh, with your regulators with regards to uh, the direction of utility spend uh, moving forward? Uh, specifically, I suppose if you look at the effects of the pandemic, uh, surely you are now able to revisit some of the types of spending. Um, should we expect more towards electric side and perhaps away from gas? Given GHG emission reasons, or is there uh, any early indications of incorporating uh, your findings from hydrogen blending?
2: Um, thanks, Maurice. <clears throat> um, we've not had uh, direct uh, discussions with the with the regulators on the uh, on, on the capex. As you as you know, our distribution utilities in Alberta and in Australia are covered by a, a five-year PBR or access arrangement deal. So that's a relatively light-handed regulation for for those companies. In terms of our cost of service companies, um, electric transmission is in the midst of its um, general tariff application. It's I'll, I'll call it the the long long running uh, electric GTA. And uh, we're also in the midst of our, our gas transmission. So while there, there hasn't been any direct discussions, the um, the electricity transmission capital, you know, the to the extent that it's direct assigned by the ISO, there there has been deferral account treatment to um, to that capital. So any uh, any reductions or changes. To that capital, get uh, get trued up and flowed through uh, the impacts flowed through back to, to customers and the company accordingly. Um, you know what what we see is really um, our our Q3 results of capital where we spent about 200 million dollars. We see that as uh, kind of reflective of the of, of the run rate or what we would expect to see in in Q4. You know, at a at a very high level, and that's kind of how we get to that uh, approximately nine hundred million dollars in uh, in capital investment for two thousand and twenty. Once you factor in depreciation um, and other adjustments, that uh, that equates to about a one percent growth in rate base. The um, as with regards to the you know, ongoing the knock on effect. To the three-year forecast I think as uh, as everyone's aware we're in an extremely fluid environment you know we are reviewing our 2020 delays and def- deferrals and how much of that goes into the 2021 to 2023 timeframe, and then the uh, the, the domino or knock-on effect from the uh, the pandemic and oil price collapse how much of that capital in that period, would would slide out so we'll uh we're, we're going through that and uh, we'll rearrive at our, our our net number and communicate that to you in our um our, our fourth quarter mdna which is uh we'll, we'll be out at the at the end of february don't know the exact date but um there's no uh there's there's no Significant spend, I'm going to say, in um, in hydrogen for for this year, and, uh, and again, we'll be reviewing that uh, 2021 to 2023 forecast as we go through the final couple of months of this year.
3: And just a quick follow-up on that: is, is the process um, one where it's an internal review? and or is it one that you're waiting for regulators to come back with your feedback um, in order to finalize this capital plan review?
2: It's, um, it's our internal view. We, we're not um, waiting on the, on the regulator to, uh, to form our investment plans.
3: And, and the second and final question um, is in regards to Puerto Rico. Um, you, you would have seen some recent comments from some of the leading candidates for the governor position, uh, regards to the o contract. Um, can you, um, you know, share any early thoughts as to uh, how you think this contract will progress, um, if you've had any uh, early discussions with any of the parties? Thank you.
2: Um, sure, thanks, um, thanks Maurice. Uh, at, at this time, uh, Luma doesn't believe that there's been a change in the assessment of the risk of termination of the agreement. I think some of the, uh, or at least one of the uh, gubernatorial candidates has uh, expressed such a a sentiment. But uh, despite the public statements, there haven't been any third party actions that have been made that would undermine the legal enforceability of the agreement. And, you know, we are as uh, committed as ever to work through the front entrance transition period and we're focused on improving uh, electricity service to uh, to the people of Puerto Rico so no uh, no change in our in our view at present
0: the next question is from Mark Jarvie of CIBC Capital Markets please go ahead
4: Yeah. good morning everyone I um, wanted to talk about the GCOC given the fact that they essentially pushed out and, and, and stopped the 2021 proceedings given they couldn't get a decision probably done and implemented in the, in the next year. So I think in the md you guys think that they'll restart again in 2021 for 2022, but how does that match up with, given the fact that, you know, PBR 2.0 is, is kind of, we'll, we'll wrap up at the end of you know, 2022. So how do you guys see the outlook here in terms of setting new regulatory ROE and equity thickness, and having that match up with where you are in the current uh, performance-based uh, mechanism.
2: Yeah. Um, good morning, Mark. Thanks. For, thanks for the question. You know, with our um, four Alberta-based utilities, it really hasn't been possible in the past to have all of the com- all of the components of our revenue requirement to be determined as final, like you know, going um, you know, final for the entire test periods that they're in. Uh, we do have a good balance between our cost of service and PBR companies. It's about 60-40, 60% cost of service and 40% uh, PBR companies when you look at the at the rate base. And with uh, having, having staggered test periods, it really helps to lessen the overall impact of, uh, of any rate resets in, in a given year. Given that the GCOC impacts all four utilities and all... 13-ish billion dollars of our rate base. Um, you know, it's extremely important that we have prospectivity for uh, for the GCOC, and and I guess you know beyond GCOC, what what we want and and quite frankly expect is that all material components of our revenues, whether you know GCOC, IT costs, what have you, are are finalized in advance of the test fear test periods, so that we can get the so that we and customers get the full benefits of prospectivity going into the into the terms. So you're right; it doesn't line up exactly anymore with the with the end of uh, PBR two, but um, you know it, it it helps to align it maybe on the on the gas transmission or electricity side, and and we'll uh, we'll march forward. But again, having uh, having prospectivity for uh, for such an important matter like GCOC is is paramount. So we are we are glad. That the uh, that the AUC has determined those rates on a prospective basis, um, we're not happy that it's still the, the you know among the lowest returns in North America, which we're continuing to uh, strive to to get that reflective of the of, of the risk, uh, given the times. So that's where we're at with GCOC.
4: And when you re-enter, I guess next year, can you talk about the prospective outlook what would you be advocating for in terms of a, of a timeline for how long those the new ROEs would be set for? Or, or are you guys still gathering those thoughts right now?
2: Yeah, we're still gathering the, gathering our thoughts. I mean, we're, uh, from the, from the last proceeding there, there weren't, I was going to say there weren't many fans, but I don't think there were any fans of returning to a formula. I don't think much has changed to, um, to to get parties to change their positions on that. So how long are we able to uh, forecast out for uh, final uh, returns and equity thicknesses given, uh, given the current times, you know, nobody wants to do this every year. Um, So we're probably looking at uh, a two to three year uh, time period, but again, gathering our thoughts and, uh, and we'll see, uh, We'll see how that plays out when the AUC announces their timeline for that proceeding.
4: Okay. Um, and, and then you made the comment about um, S&P and, and the fact that CU Inc. Um, preserved their stable outlook, which is probably most key to your funding and um, debt issuance. we just just wondering what the implications are for the negative outlook at ATCO and Canadian Utilities in terms of capital redeployment, again, maybe... And just given maybe uncertainty with with second wave of pandemic, how you guys are thinking about maybe liquidity, balance sheet metrics, and uh, in light of that um, revised outlook?
2: Um, yeah, put on uh, put on negative outlook. Not uh, as you would expect, not uh, wildly happy about that. You know, they, they still have a, a f- essentially a floor uh, FFO to debt of about. Fifteen you know, percent. We're looking at our plans and seeing what we can do to convince uh, S and P that those are uh, attainable. And uh, the best way to do that is to deliver the goods for it. Having uh, cash on the balance sheet is a credit metric positive for us. It offsets the uh, goes to offset the amount for debt debt. So in 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 that regards, uh, it, it is our uh, strength of our balance sheet uh, goes to help on those FFO to debt metrics. So we'll uh, uh, soldier on and uh, do what we can on our operations and work with S&P to, uh, to help hopefully remove that uh, negative outlook and get it back to stable.
4: Just a quick follow-up on that. I mean, at one point with the asset sales, particularly the power asset sales, I think your view was the business risk profile had improved and therefore, there might be an argument to be made to change your uh, FFO to debt um, thresholds um, or benchmarks. How those conversations have gone and how do the, reg, uh, the debt agencies, credit rating agencies, think of the LUMA cash flows in terms of their business risk and quality relative to a regulated uh, earnings stream? Um, well,
2: deal with the, um, the, the, the LUMA part first. S&P views that uh, not to be in, in the same class as uh, utility earnings. So to move to the low volatility table where, the, you know, where CU Inc. is at and having a FFO to debt floor of about 10%, the, um, they, they count that in the, we'll call it the, the non-regulated bucket. So when you take a look at ATCO Group, on an overall basis, with the um, i'll call it the the strengthening of our structures' earnings and layer in a, a luma and our other non regulated businesses they're of the of the view that uh, the ATCO group is really um, uh, should be judged on the medial volatility table and therefore getting it to that fifteen uh, percent so they haven't um, haven't insulated. Canadian Utilities Limited um, but you know, as that reg to non-reg mix in Canadian Utilities Limited is we'll call at least uh, 90-10 right now, um, we, we do believe that uh, you know, if that uh, negative outlook were to come to pass or resulting in a, in a downgrade for the ATCO group, that Canadian Utilities Limited should be insulated, similar to how CU Inc. was um, was insulated. but uh, again, you know, talking in hypotheticals, but uh, best way to avoid it is to deliver that fifteen percent FFO to debt. So, uh, so we don't even need to go there.
4: Great. That's very really helpful. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks,
0: Mark. The next question is from Andrew Kusky of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead.
5: Thank you. Good morning. Uh, could you maybe give us just an outlook for your energy infrastructure business? And I asked the question in part is you, you do have a fairly large land position and opportunity set in an area where there's not necessarily a lot of land available for development. And given your asset base, you do function a little bit like Switzerland with the neutrality kind of view on things. And so how do you think about that business and just growing that business to a greater degree?
2: Um, thanks, Andrew. Good, uh, great question on the uh, the energy infrastructure. I mean, we we do have our uh, we do have our presence in the industrial heartland. We've got sufficient land to build uh, substantially more salt caverns. I think we're uh, we're putting in number five right now for uh, for a customer and room to uh, put dozens more in. So when you talk about kind of our, our land position within Canadian Utilities Limited, we, we do have, uh, um, you know, ideally situated with the footprint in order to, to do that. Um, we do have other our land holdings in, uh, in ATCO with our ATCO Land and Development Company. So some of the, some of the lands in the Heartland area are owned by... Uh, AtCO but our energy infrastructure company is um, is ideally poised situated and and we are actively looking at uh, you know the we've got the the hydrogen blend project um, in that area and we're uh, we're continuing to look to build out that uh, that energy infrastructure business unit in alberta uh, and uh, and abroad as we look at uh, renewable energy in terms of um, hydro, solar, in uh, in our other target markets as well.
5: Thank you for that. And, and maybe just on that latter point, um, and maybe more focused on just the energy infrastructure side, when you see certain companies that have either engaged in out- outright asset sales of infrastructure, energy infrastructure, or um, butterfly off assets, or planning to, you know, how do you think about that proposition from? Canadian utilities perspective and there's a duality to it that you know would you go down that path, or conversely, are there opportunities with just the pricing of those assets in the marketplace right now where there's just opportunities for capital allocation outside of Alberta uh, in that realm?
1: Yeah.
2: Um you know, we, we continually look at uh, at our structure and uh we'll call it corporate corporate vehicle options. Um, right now, we are uh, we're happy with um, our energy infrastructure assets located within uh, Canadian utilities. Fits right in uh, right in our our wheelhouse in terms of our operational uh, excellence, energy expertise. So there there are no no immediate um, plans to do anything structurally um, with that company here, and especially uh, the holdings here in Alberta.
5: And then growth opportunities elsewhere
2: um, yeah, growth opportunities you know or uh, well uh, Mexico is uh, is is challenging Chile is, uh, is a large focus for us right now, um, as is uh, Australia in terms of the uh, uh, developments in those uh, especially in those latter two uh, geographic areas for development.
5: Okay. That's great. Thank you.
0: The next question is from Matthew Weeks of Industrial Alliance Securities. Please go ahead.
6: Uh, good morning. I, I just had a, a clarification question first. Um, I, I just wanted to make sure you said that you'd uh, lowered the, the, the expected CapEx for twenty twenty to $900 million, and that was from $0.2 billion. Is that correct?
2: Um, that's correct, Matthew.
6: Okay, thank you. Uh, second question, uh, focusing on the Australian gas distribution uh, 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 business, it looks like you know quarter on quarter there was a little bit of a pickup there, and I know there had been some headwinds due to a lower uh, forecasts of inflation rate. Um, are you kind of seeing that uh, reverse a little bit as sort of uh, economic conditions improve, and, and is that really sort of rebasing? Is that what drove the improvement? In earnings in the Australian gas business.
2: Um, yeah, the, uh, Australia is down. I think uh, Gas Australia about eight million dollars, kind of year over year. As as we look at it, you know the AA five decision has taken about seven million dollars. You know, a reduction from uh, from Q3 2019 to to Q3 2020. Um, you're right, CPI has been uh has been a very challenging for uh Australia. It's uh, contributing about a four million dollar decrease in year over year. The um the forecast the inflation rate that we use, we use the CPI. The forecasts going in to just a couple days ago were at about a 1.1% uh inflation rate increase. Um the actuals that came out were about 1.6 percent so higher than what they had uh what they were forecasting for the quarter they haven't we haven't seen an updated um, full year forecast for them just yet maybe they've got it down under but it hasn't made its way to my desk so you know we we are uh it looks like there is some upward pressure on their uh on their overall CPI inflation rate, which the previous forecast had at 0.3%, and that, uh, just for reference, I mean, that compares to a 1.8% inflation from last year. So upwards pressure, we'll see, we'll see how it goes in Q4. Okay, thanks.
6: Okay, thanks. Um, and then uh, sort of a question uh, in terms of the, the regulatory update provided in your presentation, you know, saying you expect decisions soon. On the uh, electric and uh, and uh, gas transmission general uh, tariff and general rate applications, I was wondering if you'd be able to, to help me sort of uh, understand what the impact of those decisions would be in 2021, and if we could quantify that.
2: Um, yeah, the, uh, the the timing for the electricity GTA decision. You know, if if they hold to their current schedule, which has been um, uh, problematic for them. Uh, we're looking like a, a decision in, we'll call it late Q1. Um, don't know what the impact will be. And that's for 2020. That tariff application is for 2020 to 2020, 2023. So we probably won't receive it in time to record for our 2020 earnings. So there would be a retroactive impact. Um, for, the, for that decision, which we would need to book when we receive that decision, um, don't know. You know, I've, I've said before they uh, they rarely, if ever, give you more than what you ask for. Um, so I, I, I can't forecast what that what that impact will be uh, on the gas transmission side. Their GRA is for the years 2021 to 2023 um that process is going uh much better in terms of getting some prospectivity so we will get rates um, in two thousand and twenty one for that for that test year and again same comments can't uh, can't can't hazard a forecast as to what that impact is going to be
6: okay thank you um looking at the uh Pioneer uh, Pipeline Acquisition. I just want to make sure I've I've kind of got this right. Uh, So essentially it's, it's $255 million, but then NGTL is going to end up paying, I think it was about $63 million to you guys for their portion. And then when you net out the 255 minus that 60 something, is that how you get to your $200 million approximately added in the rate base?
2: Um, yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of extra work that we need to do to tie everything in. So there's a, there's a little bit of investment on the gas transmission side, and it, it brings it to the to two hundred million dollars.
6: Okay, so you take so it's about one hundred ninety something, and then there's a bit of investment after that and that brings it to the to that figure there. But your net investment is going to be closer to that one hundred ninety uh, something million dollars after NGTL uh, buys their portion.
2: Uh, Correct.
6: Okay, thank you. Uh, That's it for me. I appreciate the color on that. I'll turn the call back.
0: Thanks, Matthew. As a reminder, it is star one to ask a question. The next question is from Paul Daliwal of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, guys.
2: Uh, I was just wondering if uh you'd be able to help me out with one thing here if you're able to quantify
6: say the demand recovery in the quarter for your C and I customers uh just
2: just in terms of say like percentage impact of load and then the financial impact there and just how where we're at right now compares to pre-covid levels um yeah the um what we're seeing on um are you talking electricity distribution that's right yeah, um, what we're seeing for overall for electricity is about a five percent reduction in uh, in in sales. The industrials and commercial CNI is is about a seven percent uh, reduction year over year, and we're seeing about a four percent increase in our residential load. The um, We're closely monitoring to see if this will qualify for, uh, under PBR, a Z-factor application to recover uh, kind of lost earnings from exogenous events. The materiality factor for for filing those Z-factor applications is about $3.5 million for electricity distribution. And, you know, while CNI will have a 7%... Uh, load decrease. It's protected by ratchets, contracts, um, fixed charges. To the extent that you know, we are, I'll say, kind of right on the cusp of whether we even meet that materiality threshold in order to recover from uh, from customers the lost earnings from uh, from the from the impact of of COVID. So we're taking a look at it. We don't know yet whether uh, whether it will trigger that $3.5 million earnings impact. Um, we'll see how uh, how Q4 goes as COVID has uh, reared its ugly head here in Alberta uh, of late. Okay, that's very helpful. I appreciate the call. That's the only question for me.
0: Thanks, Paul. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Miles Dukin for any closing r- remarks.
1: Well, thanks Sachi and thank you all for participating today. We appreciate your interest in Canadian Utilities and we look forward to speaking with you again soon.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.